0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by my lovely co host, Shelly. Shelly, you look magnificent today. How are oh you? Oh,
1: my goodness, Serge. Magnificent. That's a big word.
0: I know. I know. More than I've been one practicing.
1: Oh, Serge, you're so sweet. It's great to be together. And we have a really interesting guest today on the show. I have the honor of introducing Ilya Brodsky, who is the CEO and co founder of Van Hack, coming to us from Vancouver, Canada. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much. Excited to be here.
1: I'm going to jump right into our first question here. We're always fascinated to hear what's the backstory? How did you end up in this industry and starting VanHack?
2: It's funny. I actually never thought I would work in recruiting. I never saw that as a goal or plan and didn't mean to start a recruiting company. So, uh, But it's been one of the biggest surprises and joys of my life. I think the main kind of uh, impetus of VanHack started when I was living in Brazil. I lived there for four years. I worked initially for a mining company. Didn't really like that. So I, I left and joined a tech startup in Rio de Janeiro. And when I was there, I met a lot of people who were developers, tech professionals, really good at development, but not so good at communications and the soft skills. And a lot of them kept asking me about help to move to Canada, or maybe they had a friend or brother who wanted to move. So that kind of stuck with me. And through a series of unfortunate events, I was laid off from my startup and was in a tough place looking for something to do or what's next. And I decided to start a program that would help people move to Brazil. It was called Brazil Career Blueprint. And when I was telling all my Brazilian friends about that, they said, no, you have to do it the other way. You have to help Brazilians move to Canada. When I moved back home in 2014, I decided to test the idea out. So I put up a website using Unbound, just a very simple landing page full of uh, spelling mistakes in Portuguese, because I I do speak Portuguese, but not so well. And people started uh, reaching out to me and signing up. It snowballed from there. There's a lot more details, but that's how we got to post and launch the website and, and get things going.
0: The good news is a lot of people that are in recruitment never had the intention of going into (laughs) recruitment. So I think you fall in that bucket. I've been following your company for a long time and would love to go through what your current business model is and where the success has been in the creation of VanHack.
2: Yeah, I think the success has been really helping small and medium sized businesses, startups scale up in North America and Europe, attract talent that they really didn't know about or thought that it would be really hard to hire because that talent isn't in, in their city or in their country at the moment. We work as a recruitment agency model. So companies pay us per hire. We also have a credit model where companies can prepay for a certain amount of hires and get a discount. I always say there's more developers who want to move to Toronto or Berlin or New York than there are in those cities right now. We really help companies uncover this hidden talent pool and understand the vetting, the visa process, the relocation and the matching. So it's really about helping companies diversify their talent pool by looking all around the world. So
0: obviously a lot of these companies have been recruiting, they've tried things on their own. When do they approach you? Is it after they've had no success or do they usually start off with, we're going to reach out to Van Hack for
2: all our software engineers and software developer type roles? I wish it was the latter. <laughs> That'd be nice if everyone was just, hey, can you help us? No, it's funny. I always joke that we're the last resort. Typically they try and hire by themselves and then they post to local job boards. Then they work with local recruiters. And then maybe after the local recruiters, haven't done so well, then they think of us. There isn't as much anymore, but there really is a stigma about hiring from abroad. It's difficult. You can't really meet the person in real life, although that's different now with COVID and remote being much more acceptable. But yeah, I feel like when companies give us a chance, because a lot of times there's a lot of issues we have to help them out with. But what I'm proud of is that once they do give us a chance, we're usually able to deliver And have a good experience and companies come back and work with us for years we've helped a few companies hire like 30 40 people one company hired over 100 people from us so we have had a lot of success with keeping companies around for a while
1: so do you then offer immigration services you know, identifying someone is one thing, but then you've got all of the processes, whether it's into Canada or the US or over into Europe. Are you also a certified immigration consultant as well?
2: Yeah, I personally, not me, but we do have a global mobility team with six immigration consultants in-house. We're Canada's largest international tech recruiter. We brought over about a thousand developers to Canada in the last few years since 2017. We really are proud of that. And we actually are launching a software that will help companies see all the documents they need to upload, all the steps they need to take, all the steps the candidate needs to take and take all that process out of email and put it into a nice dashboard. And then they can actually see the candidate arriving or going down the process to the date that they relocate. So it's something that's really important to us. And we talk about not just making a hire, but changing someone's life and making sure that we're giving them that high touch service throughout the entire process. Tell us
0: more about the software itself. Is it something that competes with the Oysters and the Deal of the world, or is it completely separate, more a hybrid of an ATS? Yeah, it's more of an
2: ATS. We partner with uh, Deal, Remotes, and Oyster. They come in during that remote work period. Um, But for us, we built an ATS. We actually have a free ATS that anyone can use. It's like an open source free ATS, but it's more similar to like a Hired.com, I'm not sure if you know them, or an AngelList, someone like that. Uh, where we have the whole, you know, getting the candidates, seeing their profiles, booking interviews. So companies can connect their calendars directly to VanHack or connect their actual calendly. They can just book interviews with one click and then connect all the way through the hire. And then once the hires happen, we help with the visa process as well. And that soon will be also part of the platform too. So yeah, big thing for us as well is all the data that we gather, because we've made almost 2000 hires. So we have a lot of information on kind of what candidates work well with what types of jobs, and we're able to really quickly match those candidates to our employers. And actually the average match rank, so the average position that a candidate gets hired on VanHack is six. So on average, companies review six profiles before making a hire on VanHack.
1: So how do you address the spoken communication? Yeah. How do you deal with that?
2: Yeah. We've also built our own in-house English assessment tool where candidates can record videos of themselves speaking in English, to answering different questions. Tell me about yourself or what's your biggest technical challenge. And then employers can see those videos right on the Van Hack profile. And that's probably the favorite feature of all of our employers. Even just in one minute, you can really get to know a person's communication skills, a little bit of their personality. And sometimes that really differentiates someone who might not have the best written resume, but they have a really great video and that gets people to stand out. That's a really big part of our verification is to make sure that they can communicate well. And That used to be a big challenge before we had this tool, but now that we have it, it's actually become a huge advantage because you can really start the interview process even before you book the actual call with someone.
1: Do you also have like on the front end to qualify those in your candidate pool that are willing to or wanting to relocate or move to a whole new country? Uh, How does an employer know their skill level? Because what we call intermediate may Mm. be very different in other countries.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. This is something that we're constantly trying to improve. I make the joke, it's like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. Even between different countries, it's also different companies and different people within that company have a different standard of who's good and what is good. So right now we have coding tests that candidates can take using a platform called Qualified. It's a third party, not biased platform that we have an API connection built into VanHack. And companies can download the test results and see exactly the code the candidate wrote, as well as if they're above or below the average of all the other candidates who've taken the test. So we can say if someone gets 50%, well, maybe 50% is actually really good for this task and they're above average. So things like that, we've gone through and quantified, but I will say, I don't think this problem has been solved. The the coding tests are good, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. And we're actively looking to improve that as part of our uh, offering.
0: I'm curious, how do you scale this business? Is it just getting more clients in Canada or is it start expanding, say, in the US? What do you see in the next couple of years, five years?
2: Yeah, definitely. So we've actually been active in Europe. Okay. We've been active in Europe since twenty seventeen. And that's something that our global mindset of Van Hack, we've looked at Europe and other parts of the world for a while. Although US is definitely a big market for us right now. We're expanding pretty aggressively there. The challenge with the US is the relocation part is really hard. And that's a whole can of worms we can jump into the H1B visa. Yeah, that's a touchy subject in America, immigration. Hopefully that'll be reformed one day. Are we also looking at Australia. We have some customers in Singapore, Japan. Another thing in the future we'll do is expand to other types of talent. So it'd be really cool to bring in nurses and doctors and construction workers or people that are needed across the world because there's such a lack of skilled workers everywhere. And there's also really great talent around the world that wants to find a better quality of life. So those are the kind of two ways I think we're going to expand globally.
1: I'm just curious, can you share what percentage of your clients, like the companies that are hiring are providing any sort of compensation for the travel? Or is that all on the candidate?
2: Oh, yeah, I would say 90-95% do offer relocation package. The best practice that we are the most common that we see is one month housing in an Airbnb or something like that and flights. But yeah, we've seen some of the larger corporates do a lot more than that. And then other smaller startups maybe do a little bit less. But typically, there's help with flights and first month housing. That's great. Yeah.
0: I've been following you for a long time. And one of the things that I've noticed that you've done a lot is supporting hiring software devs from Ukraine. Tell us a little bit more of what that program looks like and what you've done.
2: Yeah, that one's been, um, I I can't even describe it enough bittersweet's the right word, but it's been nice to help, but terrible that we do have to help kind of thing. Yeah. And also personally, in my background, I was born in the Soviet Union in Russia. I have family from both Ukraine and Russia. It's been an interesting time in my family as well. Yeah. What happened there, when we found out on February 24th, when the invasion started, we decided that we're going to waive all of our fees on hires from Ukraine and create a special page dedicated to VanHackers from Ukraine who are looking to relocate. That's VanHack.com slash Ukraine, if anyone's interested and it's still up. We've made 20 hires to date, actually, I think all of them in Canada with Canadian companies across the country. And I've had a four people relocate so far. Unfortunately, the men cannot leave the country right now. But uh, yeah, it's been overwhelming the response that we got from employers wanting to help out. The mm-hmm. challenging part has been that a lot of the candidates just aren't able to work right now. There's still, I believe, around 50 or 200 candidates available. If anyone wants to hire them, I think we're close to making another hire right now. I just got a message this morning from a company in Toronto that's looking to hire a front an engineer. It's something that we're really proud of, but at the same time, like wish we didn't have to do
1: yeah that's really admirable you know outside of the the ukraine process cuz i believe there's supposed to be some sort of expedited process for them but what is the typical timeline from say the time a company makes a selection before you've got that person actually on payroll
2: yeah well on payroll in canada is one thing and on payroll remote is another so let me just break that down yeah. typically the relocation process takes let's say 3 4 months and during that time, they can work remotely as a contractor. And that's where the deals, oysters, remotes of the world come in. That's similar to local hiring because you can have that person start in two weeks as if they're in your city or your country and everyone's basically remote now anyway. It's really similar that way. Of course, companies want, well, not all companies, but most companies want the candidate to relocate as well as the candidate wants to relocate. So it's a big part of the value prop. When they relocate, they are eligible for Shred, which is a huge value as well for startups. And then, yeah, it takes about three to four m- months it costs $1,000. There's a $1,000 visa fee. And you have to create something called the labor market benefit plan. I won't go into details, but it's basically showing the government of Canada that you are doing activities like training junior developers or hiring locals to help the local labor market. And that, that person gets a two or three year closed work permit. So their visa is connected to you as a company. And that's probably the big, not especially the visa part, but just the fact that they stay for quite a while. We've seen people stay for about two and a half years on average, and many people have stayed for five, six years and got promoted on our team leads, etc. So yeah, the relocation process can, Seem very daunting, as I mentioned earlier as well. But it ends up being like a secret weapon that companies can use to not only gain more talent, but also have that talent stick around for longer. It's
1: brilliant. Well done.
2: Well, I will say that's not us, FanHack. It's really the government. And I do think that there's an arms race or a talent war, right? Germany has had a visa like this for a long time, the Netherlands as well. I can list many other countries. And also Canada, I think we need to make hay while the sun shines, because once the U.S. reforms their visa process, it's going to be tough to compete with those salaries. Although, of course, Canada is a great place to live. But I think a lot of people will be lured by a 200, 250K salary from a U.S. company. And we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I do think that we can't wrestle on our laurels as a country.
0: We've been talking about the challenges of hiring software engineers and software devs since we started this podcast as being a major challenge that most companies have been facing. Up till recently, it was probably the hardest role to fill across the board across the world. But what we've seen may be exaggerated in some ways of how many layoffs are happening in tech companies yeah. What are you seeing right now? If you're a software engineer, is it still the same market? It was maybe a year ago that you're getting multiple retails, multiple people trying to recruit you, or has that slowed down?
2: Uh, we've definitely seen a slowdown. A lot of companies aren't hiring pauses, although it hasn't been as dramatic as, for example, when COVID hit, everything stopped. What we're seeing now is more of a cool off There's still quite a bit of companies hiring, especially in product and software engineering. And I think companies are being a little bit more opportunistic now because it is a little easier to get offers accepted. We have seen the amount of offers made to a single candidate go down, although our candidates typically don't get multiple offers just because they're not talking to five different employers. It has slowed down a little bit, but I also feel like it's a little bit too seasonality right now, July and August. This is really the first kind of real summer we've had in two or three years. And we am seeing a lot of out of the offices. And I think a lot of companies are waiting and seeing how things go into the fall. But yeah, it definitely has slowed down and uh, we're keeping an eye on it, of course, but it hasn't impacted the kind of number of hires that we've seen yet, but we'll see how that goes moving forward.
1: So I wanted to come back to what you were just talking about, because I found this absolutely fascinating that the client companies you're working with see the benefit of they've hired this person, the visa process takes a while, but then they can actually start work and work remote. And so we're reminded of the two giants of the industry that we're watching it play out in front of us, the Airbnb model Mm. where we trust people. And, you know, if you've got good objectives and you're clear about what the work needs to look like and by when versus the Tesla model of come in the office and sleep here, give us your take on that. And what are you hearing from your developers that are wanting to come? Are they being specific with you that, listen, bring me to companies that have one way of thinking versus the other?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Well. We do have both kinds of companies that we work with, although I'll say we probably have actually only one or maybe two companies that are office only and the other thousand or so companies we work with are, are not. <laughs> so oh, was yeah, so, a
1: statement and a half. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I do feel like the Airbnb model is much more common. But there are some companies that are in office and that's the way they are and candidates are told that before and those companies are still having success hiring people it's just different options that people can decide for but i do feel like having that flexibility and the remote work is really valued most candidates will want to have that option and it's funny we have people start working remotely and then they relocate, and then they keep working remotely. It's that work from anywhere mindset. I I am much more in the Airbnb camp. We've been remote ourselves since 2015, since we started. But I can see why companies would want to have that office mindset or culture. If it works for them, great. The company that we work with that is coming to mind, it's a unicorn company from Calgary. They're doing something right, and uh, they're able to ask for that from their employees. Mm -hmm. I know exactly who you're talking (laughs) about.
1: So do I. (laughs) I do too.
2: You're the only office company in the country, probably.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it is. So what I'm hearing you say then is that it is a global theme for talent. Your software developers or software engineers, they really do prefer a remote or hybrid type of work arrangement. Is is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: For sure, yeah. I think flexibility is the key word. A lot of the candidates that we work with, they're in the mid to senior level, five, 10 years experience in their career. A lot of them have young families or are planning on starting young families. So that's a big reason why they would want to have that remote work culture or option. And yeah, I think just the pandemic proved to everyone that it's not as scary as you think and you can be productive and people really enjoy it. There's a lot of positives to it, but hey, everyone has their own kind of culture and way of doing things.
1: I know in Canada software developer engineering community is very male dominated. You're talking South America and bringing talent from South America. Is that the case there as
2: well? It is, but to a lesser extent. I don't have the data, so I can't really say exactly. This is just anecdotal from what I've seen. One thing that we're really proud of at VanHack is 20% of the hires that we've made are women or self identify as women. And I think that's higher than the industry average, I believe 10 or 15%. Especially places like um, India and Brazil do have quite a bit of women software engineers than maybe are here in Canada. I think those countries have a very large STEM focus and uh, focus on education. Not that Canada doesn't, but do feel like It's such large populations in order to really make yourself stand out. The education is extremely valued versus here where maybe like taking an arts degree or a business degree is more common. And I say that because that's what I did, but it's still a huge problem globally. If you look at the percentages, they're nowhere close to 50% anywhere in the world.
0: A hot topic in recruiting these types of talents is there is a lot of junior talent available, but everyone's fighting for the senior devs. For companies that will not hire junior devs, what's your advice? Like, Why should they look at every spectrum from junior to intermediate to more senior?
2: Yeah, so I'm a huge hockey fan. And so when I hear this question, I think of the analogy of the sports team or hockey team. You have to have your farm team your rookies on the entry-level contract for those first three years, uh, make the league minimum. And then, of course, you have your more intermediate and senior top players. And I think that's how you build a well-balanced team internally of a software company. Of course, you can't have a, a ratio of too many rookies or too many junior developers and not enough seniors because those people are not going to be able to move as fast. You have to have that right balance. But I think having that succession planning in all departments, something that I've learned personally is about creating a company is having a succession plan is really important, right? Because if someone leaves at the top, it doesn't have this huge... Whole and you can quickly promote someone or figure something else out. It's not about not hiring junior developers or hiring too many of them. You don't want to do that, but you want to have a good balance there on the team. If you can't hire seniors, then that limits your ability to hire juniors. And that's something that you want to be able to have those seniors in place. Otherwise, the senior developers are spending all their time just training junior developers and things are moving as fast as they should be.
0: Obviously, everyone wants to work for the FANG companies, but how can smaller companies compete against the Googles and the metas of the world? What's your advice for those companies when it comes to recruiting high-quality engineers?
2: Hire from abroad (laughs) would be my (laughs) advice. Fair enough. Just because I I feel like on a serious note, you you have to sell the dream, sell the vision, sell the impact. If a developer is between you and a FANG, there's a lot of developers who want to work at FANG and companies that aren't able to just because they don't have the skills that the FANG is looking for, they're not able to pass through those crazy, difficult recruitment processes that are still really good engineers. And I think that a lot of them also really enjoy that startup environment and they want to see themselves growing into a leadership role faster or having their code be used for something impactful. They don't want to just be the 900th engineer at Google improving the AdWords algorithm or say anything about meta. And so I do feel like, of course, money goes into it, but selling that vision and dream as much as you can is helpful. But it's tough. I was talking to someone who was working at Grammarly a few years ago, and he was telling me that Amazon offers like $200,000 of equity per year to some of the engineers. And the way that they do it is they do $100,000 the first year, $100,000 the next year, and then 300 dollars dollars something like that. I forget exactly, but they backload it. So the last two years is really where you make your money in Amazon stock. And that's really hard to compete with. So I, I don't know. <laughs> <That's->
1: <laughs> you know, I absolutely love what you just said, because the reality is not everybody gets to work for the big 5 in any industry whether it's software engineers or it's nurses or any profession people want to know that the work they do is meaningful great recruiters will be able to articulate very clearly what is the real world problem that our company solves yeah you know i can get behind that As long as it's not something you're repulsed by, like, I don't know, manufacturing guns or automated weapons or something, we've got to be able to share how what you do connects to the problem that we're trying to solve. That's brilliant.
2: There's a lot of talk about company culture and what does that mean? If you do invest in having a strong culture when you're early on, it, it makes a huge difference for that attraction and retention of talent. And I don't think we have like, the perfect culture and that we have a lot to improve on for sure. But I often hear that from our team members is that they're sticking around because of the culture and the impact that we're making. And we celebrate that a lot. When a hire is made, we post it on different social media. We really like to be close with our candidates. Our team feels that as well. And they're proud to make impact. Back on people's lives. So yeah.
1: So when we looked back in our podcast here, every year, we try and do predictions.
2: Mm. What do
1: we think is going to disrupt? Or what do we think is going to be like a real innovation in the talent acquisition space, the predictions we made in January, now here we are in July. And wow, there's some things we didn't see coming. And there's some things that we're predictable. So from your perspective, share with us what you think is really exciting or innovative about the TA space or TA technology that we could foresee or maybe disrupt the industry.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how innovative this answer is, but I really am a big believer in content and looking at recruiting as marketing. I think that there's not much marketing Automation in recruitment right now. I think there could be a lot more and a lot more content created. The concept of an employer brand is not really talked about enough. You have to look at your employer brand almost even more importantly than your actual company brand, because if you don't have the right team members, then it's hard to execute on the vision and serve your customers. So I think that's something, especially with the layoffs, because we are seeing a lot of companies who have raised lots of money. I won't name the name of the company, but just give an example. There was a San Francisco startup that everyone would know if I said, went through layoffs. And then two weeks later, was hosting a happy hour at a conference in Toronto. And I just thought it was so strange that they were inviting me to come to a happy hour and they're going to pay for my beer, but they can't pay the salary of their team members. And that kind of it sticks with people. And so I think having that employer brand be strong and presented is going to get more and more important because people can really do their homework. There's so much data available on Glassdoor or references, someone who knows someone. So just really investing and in, in showing that is, is super important. And uh, for example, we're starting an internal Van Hack podcast, not like a Van Hack company podcast, but we're calling it the Fantastic Culture podcast. So it's something we're trying to do to share our employer brand, but it's a really tough thing to get right. And I think it's not something that people, pay attention to now, and hopefully that they will pay more and more attention to that going forward.
0: I I agree. a lot of companies have been doing podcasts as a part of their employment brand. We know firsthand how hard it is over the years to maintain it. Yeah, I yeah. think the average is six episodes, and this is what companies <laughs> too. Because I was researching that, yeah, most companies start and after six episodes it's done. Um, which okay. is well, challenge a,
2: accepted. We'll do at least seven. exactly
0: <laughs> so. Let's do this on your 100 episode. Can me and Shelly come on and, yeah. and talk about employment branding? Yeah, at 100, we're there.
2: Okay, okay, challenge again accepted. Yes. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, everything you said is music to our ears and it's been fantastic having you on. We're always excited to see great Canadian companies do really well and we're really behind your mission. So Ilya, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you, find out more about Van Hack, what's the easiest and best
2: ways to do it? Well, I'm pretty accessible on LinkedIn. I'm the only person in the world with my name. So if you just search Ilya Brodsky on LinkedIn, it's easy to connect with me there. Of course, my email is just Ilya, I-L-Y-A at vanhack.com. So either of those ways, I'll be pretty open to chat.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks again. This was great. It was a lot of fun. And uh, mm-hmm. we do want to bring you on as the expert in your space. So we reserve the right to have you on again.
2: <laughs> I really love talking about our business. Like it's my life's work. I feel I'm very passionate about it. So I do appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you, Serge. Thank you, Shelly. It's been a huge pleasure. Thanks Thank for coming you. on.
1: Bye now. Bye now.